and welcome to Cult Movie Cult, where we watch and discuss the horrific, the obscure, and the flat-out strange from the other side of cinema. I'm Mark Dickerson. And I'm Jeremy Fink. And this is the third installment in our series, After the Bomb, Sci-Fi Movies of the 1950s. Today we'll be discussing 1958's Attack of the 50-Foot Woman, directed by Nathan Hurd. Hey, what's going on here? Attack of the 50-Foot Woman, directed by Nathan Hers, follows the story of a woman named Nancy Archer who comes across a strange glowing sphere in the desert, and nobody believes her. Her husband Harry, who is only after her money, and is having an affair with another woman, uses her outrageous claims to try to prove that she's crazy, so she'll be sent away to a sanitarium. His plan, however, backfires when, through a second contact with the glowing sphere, she is suddenly turned into a giant and goes out to get her revenge. Yeah, this was a fun one, Jeremy. Uh, First time I saw this one. You, you had seen this one before, though, right? Yeah, I've seen this one a, a good handful of times, actually. It's it's definitely mm-hmm. a favorite of mine from that era. Um, yeah, really. I can see why? <laughs> yeah, really, really a wild ride. Um, a short, a mm-hmm. short, Very short length for a feature film. I think the runtime yes. is sixty five minutes or something. Yes, <laughs> close to that. So uh-huh. really concise. Uh, you kind of you kind of get in and you get out, and it's mm-hmm. pretty crazy the entire time. Mm-hmm. Certainly. Um, so this was made, I guess, to piggyback off of the success of uh, similarly themed films such as The Amazing Colossal Man and Incredible Shrinking Man, both from 1957, so the year before this. And uh, this was, I guess, made in that vein because when you first see this film, at least I thought, why did they make this? Like, what, what mm-hmm. made them think? What, what even gave them the idea? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's genius, but how did they... <laughs> come up with it you know uh in hollywood where there's not many original ideas yeah um so yeah and then i was looking into it and and it made sense when i realized that yes there were other films around this time that were very successful and they they had to do with either (laughs) growing or shrinking Mm -hmm. i guess of the main character so this made made sense in a certain way and it's it's, this is more of like a exploitation film almost Uh, it kind of has that vibe to it yeah this film for me um it, it really it really feels like a kind of strange blend of genres. Um, mm-hmm. the, the thing that kept popping into my mind, I don't have you ever seen the, the film Kiss Me Deadly? It's a, it's a from it, yeah, it's a 40s film. Um, but it's it's a film noir film that is actually Oh a, yeah, yeah. I have yeah, seen it. Kiss Me Deadly yeah. is from 19 Oh wait, yeah, 1955. So actually not 40s, mm-hmm. apologies. It's a 1955 film noir film directed by Robert Aldrich and it's a really wonderful film. That's the one that's the one with the crazy ending, right? Yeah, My crazy opinion. ending. This film okay. has been uh, referenced um, in David Lynch's films. He's referenced mm-hmm. this, particularly yeah. in Lost Highway. That movie references mm-hmm. Kiss Me Deadly a lot. And Martin Scorsese oh, yeah. is also on the record as um, mm-hmm. Kiss Me Deadly was also referenced in Pulp Fiction across the board. Right. Um, and I could really kind of feel the influence of Kiss Me Deadly and just the film noir genre in general on uh, Attack of the 50-Foot Woman, which feels mm-hmm. really kind of different than some of these other uh, 50 sci-fi, yeah. sci-fi movies we've watched so far. Um, particularly, mm-hmm. there's there's one plot line in this movie that's all about this husband, as we mentioned, Harry Archer, and his floozy, quote-unquote, girlfriend, Honey Parker. <laughs> honey. Uh, um, yep. Yeah, Honey, which is the, the ultimate, you know, middle <laughs> 20th century floozy character name. <laughs> floozy. <laughs> um, you know, floozy and Honey, just they, they just go together. <laughs> 
yeah. you know, like peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> they they um, might as well have called her Floozy. <laughs> they might as well have just called her Floozy Parker or yeah. Floozy Honey, which is another interesting <laughs> yeah. name. Um, but but kind of that subplot and and kind of the, the conniving and the wheeling and dealing and everyone has something else mm-hmm. going on. Our, our main character, um, Nancy, Nancy, has this this kind of dark past as an alcoholic. Like like mm-hmm. this 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 film just has yeah. this really kind of film it's noir pessimistic like, worldview. Yeah, it's a little more uh, melodrama too. I noted to- um, so much melodrama. Yeah, <laughs> so much melodrama. Going back as we mentioned, yeah. David Lynch before. I think that it's almost. Um, I, I mean, I, I can't say for certain, but just knowing his work, I would say with almost certainty that this this film had some kind of influence yeah. on him, particularly in like Twin Peaks. Um, you know, just this insane, just every second is mm-hmm. melodrama and more melodrama. Yeah, just, it is. Just nonstop, but it's so campy. Very campy. De- definitely the campiest uh, film that we watched so far in the series, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to go through the, the basic beats of the, the film. Uh, so first of all, I do want to say great opening titles so far in all these films. Wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> and all these movies. A study uh, unto themselves. <laughs> Yes, they are phenomenal. Uh, they really get you right into the action. Uh, just very exciting, you know, kind of jumping out of the screen at you. And all kind of, you know, pretty different, I would say. Like Godzilla had that more ominous tone. And then, you know, them and this one were, were more kind of in your face. So um, so the film begins with, uh, well, I, I thought it was a giant floating egg at first. Mm-hmm. But apparently it's a spacecraft, uh, which they call a satellite in the movie. I guess this was the time of Sputnik. So mm-hmm. satellites were on the mind and kind of a fascination for many people. Um, and so the woman's driving down the road, um, who is the main character? Um, and that's Nancy, played by Allison Hayes. And she's driving down the road. She's kind of in the desert, I guess, similar to the last film, uh, the beginning of that one. And driving down the road and she sees this giant floating uh, <laughs> spherical um, spacecraft. And... We from there we just see a giant hand come from off screen and it reaches out for her as she's screaming, um, and so she she's able to get away from that, and she goes to the police and they think that she is drunk and hysterical, mm-hmm. uh, and well she is a little hysterical because she just saw a fifty foot tall alien mm-hmm. or I guess. They, they kind of go back and well, do they actually ever say 50 foot? I believe they say 30 foot a lot in the movie. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, th- I think it might have been a, an advertising thing that 50 yeah, foot sounded 50 more foot impressive sounds, than 30 foot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, they, yeah, I guess they say 30 foot in the movie. But anyway, a very tall alien. Uh, and they don't show the alien other than the hand uh, at this moment. And so essentially everyone thinks that Nancy's crazy. And meanwhile, she is suspicious of her husband, Harry. And rightfully so, because he is messing around with that floozy honey, mm-hmm. Honey Parker, um, played by Yvette Vickers. And they're all, they just, you know, they chew the scenery. I mean, everyone does in this movie, but um, particularly the two lovers, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, every scene with them was just like them scheming and, and thinking about mm-hmm. how they can get away with their, their what they want to do. And, and like you mentioned, um, they do want to have... Uh, Nancy committed to an insane asylum so that they can get all all of her money. She apparently is is very wealthy or comes from a family that's very wealthy. It, I believe the number they used is fifty million dollars. Is what? Wow. Which for nineteen fifty eight oh. is quite a yeah. quite a even stat. now that's uh, even now uh, that's a lot. But. Whew, okay. Yeah. So yeah, so there's that plot going on. 
a little bit of a subplot, which I guess main plot as well. It's it's a pretty big part of the movie. Um, and then eventually the husband drives her back out to where she first saw this satellite, quote unquote. And at first they don't see anything and then they finally do see it. And, you know, she's shouting like, it's real. I'm not crazy. <laughs> it's a satellite. <laughs> uh, you know, plenty of lines like that in this movie. Uh, and then the giant reaches out for her again, and we actually see him this time. We see his face, and it is a, I guess, a thirty-foot-tall bald man. Is the alien? Mm-hmm. Is the, the space in, giant? Is how he's listed? In just the, in uh, some type of medieval, like church yeah. garb. It, yeah, which is an interesting it, choice. It, it made me think of like ancient Greece or or something or Roman or something like yeah. that. Yeah, just the way he's dressed is very bizarre. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, everything about it is very bizarre. So that's very strange. Um, eventually, they get to the point where even after Harry has seen this, he still has his, you know, he wants to have her committed. He still wants to go through with his, with his plan. Um, and so they have doctors come to the house and they need to inject her with medicine. Um, and of course, they overhear, I believe Honey overhears the doctor talking about how an overdose would be fatal. Mm-hmm. You know, if they injected her with too much medicine, um, so of course she she's in the background listening to this, and she goes to tell Harry, and that's their plan. They want to they want to uh, you know try to inject her and and I guess have her overdose. At this point, I guess they just want her out of the picture, right? Yeah. So um, he the husband goes in, attempts to inject her, and he sees the giant hand again. They really love that prop. They use they that love prop the a lot hand. in this movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, there's the screaming nurse. Uh, you know. And that's that's a great scene when so this we, we should mention this is um how how far into the movie? Probably fifty around fifty minute mark. Between forty five right? and fifty minutes in. Right. With an hour that, with an hour and five minute long movie. With it yeah, with a lean hour and five minutes, mm-hmm. uh, around the fifty minute mark is, is actually a little bit after that, is when Nancy finally becomes uh, the the fifty foot woman or thirty foot mm-hmm. woman, uh, because of radi. Now this is all due to radiation, I guess, from the spacecraft. Right? Is that am I correct in assuming that, that? they don't really I go think into so. it too much? They, yeah. they mention it's radiation, and at one point there's a scene where there's a man walking around in the desert with some kind <laughs> yeah. of device, um, mm-hmm. searching for he says searching for uranium, complaining that you mm-hmm. can't just look for gold anymore. Um, yeah. And I I think that they're implying that maybe. It had something to do with uranium, but it's okay. not exactly clear. All right. So there's some kind of radiation that's mm-hmm. causing her to grow. And even after she's grown into a giant, they chain her up, I guess, essentially mm-hmm. in the bedroom. So she's still in the bedroom at this point. Um, and there's a there's one scene which I found very funny. Um, so a policeman that's at the house finds some footprints, very large footprints, uh, which implies that somehow a giant moseyed on by and without anyone noticing, <laughs> there's mm-hmm. no sound of, of yeah. anything. Um, he's just like, I think he actually says like, hey, look, there's another one. Like as they're tracking the, the footprints, like, oh, and another one, you know. And eventually they stumble upon a spacecraft. And that's the first time we see. Now, is, that, is this a different spacecraft or is this supposed to be like the same one? I believe it's the same one. Okay, the same one. Yeah. So they, yeah, it's a, the big spherical egg one. The spherical egg, um, yeah. And then uh, the the big bald man alien person thing hologram mm-hmm. he kind of looked like a hologram. Yeah, I think actually. I think the hologram was more a result of the uh, effects at the time. Oh, okay. I, I think it was just the, I think they used some oh, okay. type of overlay, <laughs> you know, oh, and then okay. there was some type okay. of transparency required to right. put the right, images right, right. together. But I could be wrong. Maybe they wanted the hologram. Yeah. Look. 
<laughs> yeah, that kind of threw me off. But anyway, he's so he's there and he lifts the car, smash it, and uh, then he teleports away through some kind of portal, I guess, that opens up. Um, and then finally, Nancy breaks loose of her chains and stomps out of the house. And I'm not sure how she did that either. Yep. <laughs> Again, I was like, did I miss something? Or just, no. they, they, like, I love that this movie just doesn't explain things like they, that. They, like, they don't just, have time. Now she's just out of the house. She's like, out of the house, yeah. Yeah, she's she's on her own. She's going out. And, and she's you know, that has that iconic moment where she screams, he's with that woman! <laughs> and she goes after her husband. Mm-hmm. And uh, we finally see her. We finally see Nancy in all her glory uh as a giant and um this again is not till we've gone past the 50 minute mark uh of a 65 minute movie (laughs) do we see this and uh you know so up until now like i said they really made use of that hand prop the giant Mm -hmm. hand that and arm that kind of come in and out of the frame um and they actually use it again at this moment it's kind of a king kong moment here because she goes her hand goes through the window kind of searching for her husband Mm -hmm through different houses and things like that. And uh, eventually she gets to the bar where her husband and his lover are, are in the bar and uh, the husband grabs a, a pistol from the police officer and shoots at her. And, uh, but she's able to grab him and, and she takes him away. Um, and if the movie was fun before Jeremy, I, I thought it was really fun at this point. I mean, this was like, Oh yeah. What you've been waiting for, you know, she's out rampaging the streets and, yeah. uh, the only thing is I wish it lasted longer. I mean, I know this is a short movie and I, I do appreciate how it kind of gets in and out, mm-hmm. but this part, you know, obviously yeah. you just kind of want more, um, of this, but. Well, that's what everybody yeah. shows up for. I was, what I was just thinking about is how fascinating it would have been if this movie wasn't called Attack of the 50 foot woman. And <laughs> if you had no idea that that's what it was going to turn yeah. into. What an mm-hmm. insane ride. I mean, it's already an insane ride, but if you're just yeah. sitting there watching this movie and then 50 minutes in all of a sudden, what was, <laughs> uh, with the, I mean, yeah. obviously she comes across the alien thing in the desert, but like all yeah, of a sudden, still, just out of happens. nowhere, she just turns into a, that would be a really, yeah. really shocking thing. Well, like you said, it was a very attention-getting title, yeah. Attack of the 50-Foot Woman. It's a great mm-hmm. title. And poster. Uh, so <laughs> but we'll, we'll, poster. we'll get to the poster in a bit. But Great uh, poster, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can't fault them for that. But I, I agree. I think you know if you had gone 50 minutes into this movie and that hadn't happened yet, when it did happen, you'd be very shocked. Yeah. <laughs> but because the movie is called that, you are anticipating yeah, it the you're entire waiting. time. So. Um, and also, real quick, I, the scene in the bar where she reaches in and grabs her husband, I, I love the police officer in that scene. Mm-hmm. He's he's almost like a I forget his name from uh, uh, that show um, Andy Griffith show yeah yeah he's just feebly firing his his pistol at her and mm-hmm. it's done so meekly or poorly acted I'm not sure uh, that it made me actually laugh out loud in that part uh-huh. when he was doing it but uh, anyway so uh, eventually she goes into now she walks into power lines I believe yeah or are they they're firing at her I, um, it se- it seemed like there was some kind of combination of them firing at her and the power lines and maybe they Mm -hmm. hit the power lines, but there's some type of explosion. Yeah. And she's taken down to the ground and that's where she passes away. She dies. Mm -hmm. And there's that last scene, which is very much, it must've been either an homage to King Kong or, Mm -hmm. you know, ripping it off either one. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But it's, uh, you know, they have that last line where the, the police are looking at her and one of them says, she finally got Harry all to herself. To herself, yeah. And and it's just a kind of like down note that they end on. It is sort of a tragedy. Oh yeah. Uh, well, and, and much that's like why King Kong. It re- I really think this is a film noir movie. Ultimately, a little bit. It yeah, just has sure. this sci-fi element. It has that but, kind of dark element. To but it. really, yeah. like the 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 kind of overall tone 
is much mm-hmm. less sci-fi. Like they don't really spend, you know, we, we've looked at a couple other films, uh, both Godzilla and them. And they, both of those films really spend time getting into the science and the details. You know, you, you, you understand that there's some kind of um, moral dilemma about the science being in, about the science that's involved. And, and they're really looking at the problem that problems and solutions that science present in the world. Whereas this film, it's really just about people screwing each other over. You know, it's, it's really just about <laughs> yeah. relationships. It's about people getting pissed off and wanting revenge. It's it's much more thematically. It's much more in the film noir vein yeah. than it is in the sci- which is what I think I like so much about it. Because at least personally, mm-hmm. the sci-fi movies that the the thing that I kind of generally like the least in the sci-fi genre is that that kind of explanation of things. The the mm-hmm. the the huge amounts of exposition, all that. I I tend to be much more drawn to character driven stories. And what I like mm-hmm. so much about this one is that it really is even though it's so melodramatic and it's just funny as hell for reasons, yeah. it probably wasn't meant to be funny at all times. <laughs> Certain things were definitely meant to be funny, but you know, it wasn't meant to be funny across the board, maybe as much as it was. Um, I don't mm. think this is one of those movies that's so bad. It's good. I think that there are some really genuinely like cool moments, you know, some, some yeah. really fun moments. Well, like we said, certainly it's certainly the campiest film that we've seen yeah. so far in the series. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of melodrama and cheesy dialogue. It, it actually seemed like it was made for MST3K, yeah. uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000, but mm-hmm. that kind of movie that they would just eat up and have all kind of insults for. Um, but yeah, like you said, Jeremy, there's lots of different elements to the movie, which I appreciated as well. Mm-hmm. There's sort of that crime element, which I guess yeah. goes along with the noir. Um, there's also like the, like I said, the exploitation yeah. angle where it's it kind of feels like Revenge of the Scorned Woman kind mm-hmm. of film, um, which is kind of like almost its own subgenre. Yeah. Uh, but there's a little bit of that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and how do, now? Did you think the movie played with gender roles or anything like that? Do you think, or do you think it was being cheeky? Or do you I think don't know. Playing, I, I mean, playing into that kind of thing. Or I think looking at it now, um, looking at it now, we can see it that way. But and I'm not one to state the intention of a writer mm-hmm. or director. Um, right. or no, of course, anyone yeah. who worked on it my guess would be that probably wasn't the goal it was probably as you were just saying more in this vein of exploitation mm-hmm. i mean the fact that when she becomes this giant woman all of a sudden even though she's been wearing relatively normal clothing for the time <laughs> period as soon as she becomes this giant woman i mean maybe i guess that like she became giant and someone or her she just quickly wrapped herself in bed sheets or yeah. something like that mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but it but it it seemed kind of more likely that just she was giant and there was something kind of you know something kind of erotic and wacky yeah. about it um so so my mm-hmm. guess would be that the intention wasn't necessarily something that was you know feminist or even even though mm-hmm. that probably wouldn't have been but the... I also I also don't think it was malicious either I feel like no was, no um... no yeah, like it was very playful. Um, the whole yeah, th- there was respect for it, and it was self aware enough, I think. Um, but it but it is interesting, kind of looking at it from this twenty first century, you know, f- in a kind of feminist critique, to look at this film because there are some things in it that are kind of subversive for the era. Yeah. Obviously, there are a lot of things that are not. You know, going back to this floozy character, I think she was very in line with the kind of. A uh, very stereotypical portrayal of the femme fatale, except not quite as clever and not quite mm-hmm. as she was just literally basically there to be a sex pot and mm-hmm. drive this guy to do things that he shouldn't be doing. But something about the fact that there was this woman who the, our main character, Nancy, you know, it's like 
She's a woman who in the 1950s, nobody would listen to, which is, um, you know, women experience that now. So I'm sure in the 1950s, it was even worse. And the fact that like, she is allowed in this movie to get pissed off about it and to try to exact her revenge, (laughs) Mm -hmm. even if there is this thing where, oh, she's only after love, you know, she just Mm -hmm. wanted love. But there's definitely a lot of anger there too, which I do think even if it wasn't necessarily an intentional thing, it is kind of subversive and interesting for that era. She has a pretty dark edge. Yeah. Um, like she has like an alcoholic past and mm-hmm. things like that, uh, which I thought was interesting as yeah. well. Um, so, yeah, there's a little bit of that. And, yeah, I, you know, I, I wasn't looking for a definitive answer. I was just curious. It mm-hmm. actually just came to mind now just because we had talked a little bit in them about how there was some subversion yeah. of those kind of things, but also playing into it a little bit. So, mm-hmm. um, because these movies again are of their time as all of these movies are. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I did want to talk about the director really quickly because I've, I found this interesting. Uh, so first of all, this food, this movie was shot in eight days for $89,000. Unbelievable. Which was 10,000 under budget apparently. Yeah. Um, uh, so this, you know, yeah, kudos to them. <laughs> um, and the director, so Nathan, so is he now? Is he credited as? He, he's credited as Nathan oh, okay. Hertz. Nathan Hertz. Okay, so his real name is Nathan. I'm not sure if I'm saying it right, but Huran J U R A N. Yeah, yeah, Huran. Probably Huran. Probably Huran. Yeah. Um, and so he was billed as Nathan Hertz. Um, and although. So Duran is his middle name, I guess. And apparently this was because he was embarrassed by this film's low budget and poor quality. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the fact that it was a quote unquote monster movie. I believe he showed up on set, not really, I guess, grasping the full (laughs) uh, weight of what, or you know, not knowing the whole story, I guess, before he came on set, which is, you know, I I think fairly common back then. It was a little bit more like director for hire kind of atmosphere. Mm -hmm. Um, So directors would kind of just show up. And when he was told what he was shooting, he was, uh, I I saw some stories that said he was pretty livid and pretty, you know, he almost like wouldn't come out of his trailer and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I found an interesting quote from him uh, when I was, when I was uh, looking into his biography a little bit. And I I think this kind of sums him up. So let me just read this quote real quick. So, He says, I approached the picture business as a business. I always did pictures for the money and for the creative challenges. I wasn't a born director. I was just a technician who could transfer the script from the page to the stage and could get it shot on schedule and on budget. I Mm. never became caught up in the romance of the movies, which Mm. I found pretty candid. You know, that was in 1989. He said that apparently for a a science fiction fan magazine. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, pretty candid about it. So it's not like he was putting on airs or anything like yeah. that, because obviously this film, Attack of the 50 Foot Woman, went on to become such an iconic cult film, such a huge sci-fi movie. Although that is um, interesting coming from him, because it's like one of those things where in this particular movie, he wasn't happy with the results. So he kind of he didn't take his name off of it. You know, he didn't do the Alan Smithy thing that yeah. some directors do, but he did change his name, which is a strange thing, because if he's someone who views himself as a technician, you know, I mean, maybe he views this as failed craftsmanship or something like that. But he, there was clearly some emotion if, if he was angry enough or disappointed yeah. enough, you know. I don't know. I am not to say yeah, not to contradict him. He, he has his own opinions of his work and how he approaches yeah. it. But I don't know. I, I just think that's an interesting kind of combination of mm-hmm. philosophy and action. Yeah, or even as approaching this film as a special effects movie. Yeah. Even looking at it in that way, it was pretty, I wouldn't say revolutionary or anything no. like that. I mean, there had been movies that were similar to this around this time or before mm-hmm. this. But, you know... Um, seen as a challenge and he did talk about how he enjoyed a challenge so maybe he looked at it that way yeah 
Um, but for whatever reason, he did, I guess, change his name or, you know, change his credit in the film. Yeah. Um, but speaking of the effects, Jeremy, what did you think of the effects in this film compared to the other films in the series? Um, I Do you think, think they were, you know, more or less effective or about the same? I, I think that they were hit or miss in this film. Um, I, Agreed, I think that yeah. there were certain moments that were yeah. really, really not the best. Um, you know, that where like, even as, as we mentioned before, the first time we see this giant guy, he's kind of transparent and I don't think he was really supposed to be. And there were moments with, uh, our, of, with Nancy once she's giant where she's kind of transparent. Although I personally actually really like the effect strictly on a, a kind of like, I don't know if, if impressionist is the word, but like, mm-hmm. like something, something about the image and the looseness of it. Um, and this mm-hmm. kind of strange glow was really, really attractive, but not necessarily, in terms of the verisimilitude, it didn't make me think that it mm-hmm. was more real. I just enjoyed the, the yeah. aesthetic. Um, but then I think the moments that were really strong were when they used miniatures um, with this giant yeah. woman. Um, and what was so cool about this is, you know, and I don't know if it's if it's just a gender thing because the the monster, quote unquote, was just a human woman, you know, and, and not quite as stiff as like, you know, you, you look at some of these other movies where they have a man as like the giant or... Uh, the mm-hmm. the creature or something like that and there, there's something that feels really stiff or even compared to the the giant man we see in this movie he still feels like this kind of sci-fi character but the fact yeah. that when she was giant there was still a lot of real like personality and, and flair to her definitely, um, definitely. When, especially with these miniatures and she, she just looks so big and hulking yeah. but also there was this like kind of sadness to her face um, but mm-hmm. also this kind mm-hmm. of like you know sexed up exploitation quality which which felt really kind of strange and interesting for yeah. a special effect because i feel like special effects so often can be kind of cold you know it's mm-hmm. like it, it can express what it needs to express but it kind of can suck the emotion out um and i think that what was so cool with this is is when the effect was done well all the emotion was still there mm-hmm yeah, in this case, I would say that the acting is what makes it work mm-hmm. uh, in a way. Alison Hayes, the actress who played her, um, yeah, she's kind of what y- your eye just goes to her, not only because she's a giant, but because her acting, w- I thought it, somehow when she was a giant, her acting was even better. Like, it just, you, yeah. you really felt for her um, as this kind of tragic figure yeah. by the end of the movie. Um, and she'd been tragic throughout, but uh, mm-hmm. up until, you know, and, but even when she is a, uh, you know hulking over everyone she still has to you know she still has challenges she still has she's still fired upon and she has a power yeah. lines to get time with and so you you never really have a moment where you're not really feeling for this woman and uh, i thought the actress alison hayes did a great job with that yeah and um you know she's melodramatic as well um mm-hmm. but i thought it every, i think everyone was on the same page uh with with this with this movie and um really quickly you know just to to piggyback what you said about the effects jeremy mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think it's pretty hit or miss. And I think um, as great as some of the effects are, I think they could have went a little bit further. You can mm-hmm. kind of tell it was a little bit phoned in, yeah. um, maybe from the director. Also, but, very, very um, low budget, much lower than either of the other movies we've yeah, looked at. Because when I first began the movie, I, I guess I, I thought there would be a lot more like, you know, force perspective type shots and mm-hmm. interesting trickery uh, camera trickery and, and things with the sets and miniatures and things like that and there is a little bit of that but not too much um, there's not many effect shots at all up yeah. until 
the the final moments of the film you do like we said they do make use of that giant hand prop which we do see a lot um which you know it's economical and like we said they were under budget so good for them um and it does add to the kitsch of the whole movie so Mm -hmm. there's that but i guess from a special effects standpoint i was a bit disappointed in that regard yeah um you know, especially compared to the giant ants we saw in them, and mm-hmm. obviously Godzilla was was amazing. Yeah, Godzilla uh, those next miniatures. Level. Yeah. yeah, that's a whole nother level. Um, but the movie we're going to talk about after this, I was very impressed with the effects, but we'll we'll get to that later. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, this film bit of a letdown in that department, but still great fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Very uh, exciting, and and uh, you know, it has your attention the the whole time, all through those sixty five minutes. I would mm-hmm. say. Um, and real quick, I just wanted to mention two other quick things. Um, the poster for this movie, which mm-hmm. you brought up, Jeremy, mm-hmm. um, or otherwise known as like the, you know, I guess the advertisement for the film. Very interesting. It was designed by Roger Corman. And it's also in the Museum of Modern Art, apparently, as in their permanent collection. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really is a, a great poster. It's very iconic, you know, for this kind of movie and for, I would say, cult film in general. Just yeah. that her... her on that cover, you know, the, the image is nothing like what we see in the movie, but it's, uh, it's, it's something, it's, it's really a great, um, representation of everything. And, and they did a great job with that. Roger Corman did apparently. Uh, and, uh, other than that, the last thing I wanted to mention now, when I first saw this movie, oddly enough, I thought of this and, and I didn't know why, um, because I didn't even remember watching it, but apparently there was a a made for TV remake Mm -hmm. made in 1993. Yep. And I guess I had seen this movie because when I was pulling up clips of it, I was like, wow, I remember this. And so it was somewhere in my subconscious and it, it, it starred Daryl Hannah and uh, and one of the Baldwin brothers. I forget which one. <laughs> um, and one of the lesser known Baldwin brothers. And I was uh, fascinated by the fact that it was directed by Christopher Guest, which I either Did forgot or... Yeah. And, but it kind of makes sense because it has... It, it very much goes for the camp angle. Mm-hmm. Um, it wears it on its sleeve. I, I would say uh, I watched a couple clips and it was exactly how I remembered it. Just over the top, campy, maybe even more than the original that we're talking about. It just yeah. really goes for it. And I could see Christopher Guest just behind the camera, just kind of snickering to himself and giggling because this was obviously before he was a, a big name and things like that. So, well, I guess he was sort of a he was, you know, relatively. Yeah. Well, he was well known, well I guess, known, at the time, but he hadn't really gotten into his niche yet, or his niche, sorry, yet, mm-hmm. um, with you know his type of mockumentary films. Um, so I guess this was kind of like a you know director for hire type thing for him, and uh, in a certain way, in the campy, very comedic tone, it kind of does make sense. So mm-hmm. uh, I just found that kind of interesting. Um, but that was all I really had to say. I mean, it's it's a short movie, and not I didn't have too many notes. Uh, but I really had a good time with it. Really glad I saw it finally. Mm-hmm. I've always wanted to watch it, and uh, I was also reminded of uh, another movie we talked about, Jeremy. Um, uh, towards the end of Dude, Where's My Car? Mm-hmm. There's a yeah. I feel like an homage. <laughs> that was one thing I wanted movie, to bring right? up. Yeah. So so in Dude, Where's My Car? There's definitely uh, an homage to this mm-hmm. film. Um, they take it in a slightly different direction. Um, you know, they, they, they lean into the exploitation angle a little bit harder than this one even does. Um, but clearly inspired by, this. but clearly, yeah, clearly inspired by it. And, and there's, there's a certain, you know, there's a certain thrill about this concept. I know I was, I was looking at, uh, the Wikipedia page for this, just seeing some of the references. Um, and I apparently like Johnny Bravo references at one point, the cartoon show Archie's weird mysteries based on the Archie comic 
comic books mm-hmm. referenced it. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The, 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 yeah. This something about this movie has really mm-hmm. stuck with people. It might be the poster, as weird as that is to say. I'm it, sure it's a big part of it. Yeah, it, it, sure. I, I know this. This poster was in. Um, because I remember the, the first time I heard about this movie was I, I watched Pulp Fiction and I saw the poster was in the background during that <laughs> yeah. really famous restaurant scene with uh, right, right. Uma Thurman and, and John Travolta. Um, mm-hmm. And so that was kind of the first time I was introduced to this movie. But but yeah. it, there, there's just something about mm-hmm. this one that just kind of seems to stick with people. Like like once yeah. you've – you don't even have to have seen it. You just kind of feel like you know about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think part of that is because uh, – it is a woman yeah. that is a giant. You don't usually see that in, yeah. in these types of films. So I think it was so different and it wasn't done too much after this. Yeah. Uh, so that people will kind of have that iconic image uh, in their mind and also just the camp overall, you know, I'm sure it doesn't hurt. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's an endlessly imitated film, uh, an idea that you see show up in a, a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think it's just one of those ideas that's just very fun and, Handled in a fun way, yeah. very dramatic, but melodramatic. Yeah. So that's Re- and, and referenced so. right up to today, uh, a few months ago. If, if anyone is looking for something kind of quick and fun to watch, I know the artist, the mu- musical artist Lana Del Rey, actually came out with a music video this mm. past year, which is pretty uh, much a direct homage to this film and the drive-in movie experience. Um, oh, really? So whether that's or not cool. you're into her music or not, um, mm-hmm. the music video is just awesome. So would highly cool. recommend going to three or four yeah. minutes long. Recommend going to check that out for sure. So even up until today, up until today, it's still, it still is constantly being <laughs> yeah. referenced and looked at. And I'm sure there will be a remake at, at some, some point. point, at some point, reboot, whatever you, you want to call for, it. For all um, of the budding filmmakers out there, you know, if you get the chance, mm-hmm. maybe take it. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Hey, I mean, you could, you could do a lot with this. Yeah. The, the fact that she's only a giant in the film for such a short amount of time, mm-hmm. I'm sure uh, you could take that and just kind of run with it, which uh, again, the made for TV remake in the nineties, did, did a bit of that and i think she's a giant for most of that movie yeah um so but that's that's pretty much all i had to say uh, about this one it's just a quick fun one um the one next week uh that we're going to talk about is is pretty quick as well but did you have anything else you wanted to uh talk about with this movie jeremy no i think i think that about i know you said up. it's one of your one of your favorites uh, yeah well, one of my genre, favorites so. of this genre in this time period it's just it's just such a, it, 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 a great um it'd be a great movie night movie you know, if, if you're yeah. if you have some friends you want to hang out with, you know, maybe yeah. you want to do like a double feature or something like that because this <laughs> yeah. movie is so quick and short. Oh, you know, it, it'd be it, a this great must have one. Been made for yeah, like yeah. drive-in double features. I'm sure. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be a great one to watch uh, with a group of people for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, it's it's a fun time. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so now uh, I just wanted to close out by saying a couple different things. For the next part of the series, we're going to be talking about Fiend Without a Face. And like I said, the special effects in that one, just phenomenal, which I was totally taken aback by because I thought they would just be invisible the entire time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but definitely check out that one if you want to watch along with us and uh, hear our discussion on the next part of the series. And I also wanted to mention that we have a new graphic, uh, a new illustration for Cult Movie Cult that you can find on our various social media sites and uh, as the main icon of our podcast. And that was done by Elaine Collins Hasford. And you can find her on Instagram at Truly Truman Art or at her own website, which is www.trulytruman.com. And she did a phenomenal job with, with that graphic, and I'm really impressed with it. 
it's sort of a collage of, of different movies, uh, different cult films that we've, some we've talked about, some not yet, but probably we will eventually, um, and different iconic characters and, and moments and things like that. So it's really cool, um, but I'm sure you'll see it if you're listening to this. So definitely check that out and check her out as well. All right, so that's going to do it for Cult Movie Cult. Thank you for listening, and you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook if you have any cult films you'd like to hear us discuss on the show, or if you'd like to officially join the cult, be a guest on the show, please feel free to reach out to us at cultmoviecult at gmail.com. This has been Cult Movie Cult, and until next time, so long from the other side.